Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Lakers Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds in markets for the NBA, NHL, college, and so much more. It's America's number one sportsbook. It's super easy to use. Plus, you can combine multiple bets from the same game into a same-game parlay. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all having a great week. You're halfway through it. We're almost to some relaxation this weekend. Wow. What an incredible performance from Giannis. What an incredible performance from the Bucks, from Bobby Portis, from Drew Holiday. Just a championship medal 
type of performance and a Pantheon type of game from Giannis Antetokounmpo. We're going to break down every single detail of this game. A couple of quick notes before we get started. Make sure you like this video and subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel. We're going to be going live every day this week. With the exception of after tonight's game, there's a special thing that the volume has planned. I will be doing a breakdown of the Warriors game. It will just be recorded and posted to YouTube after the game. But make sure you come back every other day this week. We'll be going live after the final game of the night. And then make sure you follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys can see the basketball video that backs up a lot of the concepts that I talk about on the show. We can't start anywhere but with Giannis. I said coming into this series... And a lot of people, you know, and Boston Celtics, they produce a certain vitriol from the rest of the basketball community. So everyone obviously has a lot of pushback towards any optimism directed uh, in the direction of Boston. But I said before the series that Giannis overcoming this Celtics team would be similar to LeBron overcoming the 07 Pistons. Specifically because the 07 Pistons were an unbelievably great defensive team that that's where they hung their hat. And LeBron was in a situation where he had some creation support, but not much. And it was basically him against essentially he was responsible for any and all offensive creation in that series, which reminds me a lot of the predicament that Milwaukee was in, in this series on account of the Chris Middleton injury. And, you know, about, halfway through the series, it dawned on me that he was a lot more capable of pulling that off even than I originally thought. But even going into that game four, when Milwaukee was up two games to one, Boston still was controlling a lot of the areas of the series that made it seem as though they were in control. But there's one thing that was starting to pick up some steam, and it was Giannis. I talked to you guys a lot about the idea of breaking down the wall. It's really easy to stay, well, not really easy. It's possible to stay in front of Giannis once, twice, five times, 10 times, 25 times. And guys like Horford and Grant Williams did a lot to start this series. But it's that 50th time and that 60th time and that 70th time that he starts to wear on you. And he starts to get to the point where now he's getting around you rather than having to go through you. Now the refs are no longer a factor. And he's just getting all the way to the rim. And that is the weirdest dynamic of trying to play against Giannis in a playoff series. Because normally, you can expect to wear people down, particularly stars, because they have so much on their plate. But Giannis just seems to have the reverse effect on people. It's another great LeBron comparison. It's interesting because the two of them are so different in so many different ways. But they have a lot of similarities. And one of them is both of them historically in their careers have been longevity guys. And I'm not talking about, or I should say endurance guys. They are guys that as the series progresses, they get stronger. And multiple times in Giannis's career, especially of, of late, we've seen him come from behind. We saw him come from behind against Brooklyn. We saw him come from behind against uh, um, we saw him come from behind against the Suns in the finals last year, down 2-0. You, you think you got him? You think he's down and dead to rights? But what did I say after game four? Game four could have been a victory lap for me. <laughs> At least that's what it seemed like in the moment, right? Like I picked Boston, I picked him to win game four. I I, I 
figured they would win by 10, 15 points in that game, and they had a 10-point lead late. But what did I say right after that game? I tweeted the video out in the middle of this game, right at halftime. You can find it there. I said, do not count the Bucks as long as Giannis Antetokounmpo is on the floor and as long as he has a chance. That's how all-time great he is. He is on a fast track to get into some very, very intense basketball conversations involving all-time players. That's the direction he's heading. And tonight, on many different occasions, he hit a level that Boston could not keep up with. In that late second quarter, Boston gets up, I think, 12 or 13 points. I can't remember exactly what. He checks in. I think he checked back in with about four minutes left in the second quarter and just was completely unstoppable going to the rim. I think he was seven for seven from the field in the quarter, just living at the basket. Boston couldn't do anything with him. Completely changed the complexion of the game. If Giannis doesn't do that, they probably go into the halftime looking a lot like game three or game two when Boston was up 65 to 40. That's where the game was trending. That's the direction this was all headed in. And Giannis staved that off and sent you into halftime down seven. And then in the th- I thought two uh, like unbelievably massive three-point shots from Giannis in the fourth quarter. Like just like all series long, Stan Van Gundy's been on the broadcast talking about every time Giannis takes a jump shot, it feels like giving a gift to the other team. And he was right. Giannis has shot horrifically bad from the perimeter this year. Coming into tonight, I think he was right around 35% from mid-range, and then from three, it was way worse than that. So every time Giannis has shot a jump shot, it's been a win for the other team. But against all odds, reaching down into that greatness that's inside of him, he stepped up and he knocked down two incredibly massive three-point shots in this game, in the second half. One of them came right after a a monster three from Jalen Brown off the dribble. Jalen Brown knocks down this ridiculous step-back three. I think it put Boston up 11. And here comes uh, Giannis right down, early shot clock, left wing. It was a, it was a screw you type of shot. It was like, a, I'm not losing this game type of shot. And he knocked it down. And then there at the end, on the offensive rebound, kick out to him at the top of the key. There's a fresh clock. There's 14 seconds. He doesn't need to shoot that. But he just stepped into it and knocked it down. And then there down the stretch, a huge offensive rebound underneath the basket. Offensive rebounding was a massive swing factor in this game. We'll get to it in a little bit. Uh, Bobby Portis was unbelievable. He had seven offensive rebounds in this game. Milwaukee had 20 second chance points. Huge swing in this game. Giannis had two big offensive rebounds himself. Just, Just an unbelievable performance. This is what it looks like. This is, you know, game five back in Detroit in 2007. LeBron hit a level that the Pistons could not keep up with, and it changed the outcome of a series. And ironically, they went home after that, and in Mil- uh, in Detroit or in Cleveland, LeBron didn't have a great game, and his teammates carried him. That, that will be the ultimate parallel, as if they go back to Milwaukee in a couple of days, and they win game six at home, and Giannis doesn't play particularly well. Then it'll be the ultimate mirror image there. But he reached down, and he had his big game five moment. And I know a lot, a lot of people, I've had some Bucks fans complain, why do you bring up LeBron? I bring up LeBron because he's the standard. LeBron and MJ, those guys are the standard. Giannis is on that trajectory. It's time for us to start having those conversations. If Giannis wins another title this year, which he's 
very much in that conversation. They get out of this series, then they're going to probably be the favorite in the next series. I've been on the record that I think whoever wins this series is going to win the East. So you're probably a favorite in the conference finals. And then anything can happen in the finals. We've seen Giannis beat Phoenix. So if Giannis gets this title, if he wins this championship, he is fast progressing into, into those conversations long before we ever even could have thought he would have. And I've just been unbelievably impressed. I've obviously like, you know, even in Boston controlling this series through four games, I just was completely blown away throughout the entire process by Giannis's greatness. But there's two sides to this coin. Because if you guys remember, after game four, I said there were two things that would give Milwaukee a chance to win this series. I said it was Giannis and his un unguardability, his unbelievable greatness, and just the, the level he can reach that nobody in the world can reach. And Boston and their lack of discipline and their lack of consistency in their own pathway to success. You know, in my notes, I put, let me make sure I'm reading this rightly, right? I put in my notes, Boston's title prospects. And I put that in there when Boston was up by 13 in the third quarter. And the reason why I put it in there, or shortly after they went up by 13, because even when Boston was in control of this game and I thought they were going to win, I was becoming more and more pessimistic about them. Not necessarily for this series, because at the time I thought they were going to win, but looking forward, because they have the most dramatic difference between their ceiling and their floor out of any of the teams in this field. If you look at the contenders, and if, if we're looking at the real contenders in this field, it's kind of like Phoenix, Golden State, Boston, Milwaukee, right? And in that list, you've got a Phoenix team that is extremely disciplined, that doesn't make mistakes, that doesn't lose their identity, that that stays like they've got that veteran presence. I don't know if it comes from Chris Paul or if it, uh, it, it's, it's hard to say where it comes from, but that team is incredibly disciplined. Golden State has consistently been the most grown up team. They're literally beating a Memphis team soundly based on their own experience and their discipline. And then we go out and uh, we go out east and we look at Milwaukee. And this whole series has been a story about Milwaukee being the older, wiser, smarter, more disciplined team. And, and, you know, extensively in this series, I've been preaching about how when Boston in the half court makes smart reads and plays smart basketball, they get good shots and they win. When they get sloppy, undisciplined, when they settle for long contested jump shots, when they take threes early in the shot clock, when they turn the basketball over, Milwaukee runs it right down their throat and scores. Yet, even though that was clearly that was clearly evident in the film, even though Ime Udoka explicitly talked about this in the uh, pregame presser in game two, so we know Boston knows about it, they still can't help themselves. They cannot help themselves anytime they get up in this series or have any sort of success, they revert back to the things that, 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 are, that represent their floor. When Boston is at their peak, they have the best defense of this era in conjunction with a great combination of guys that can all pass, dribble, and shoot. And so they're extremely difficult to guard when they play that well right. Remember, from January 23rd through the end of the season, so almost half the season, Boston was the number one offense in the league. 
And they've been better on offense than Milwaukee in the half court in this series. But that's just, that only represents the ceiling. That only represents what it looks like when it's good. Their floor is considerably lower than any of those teams in that contender list. They just, and it goes to show you the value of having a high-level playmaker. Someone who can really control the pace and flow of a game. Which, everywhere else in this field, you see that guy. You see it in Giannis. You see it in Chris Paul. You see it in Steph Curry. You see it in Draymond Green. They're, those guys are very good at when they see the train getting off the tracks, they're very good at pulling it back in. And Boston doesn't have that guy. It's our biggest weakness right now. Tatum is just as likely to go rogue as any of the other guys. All series long, Jason Tatum seems like, I'm going to fall down on every single jump shot, even though it's consistently torched us in transition, like consistently torched us. I'm going to fall down on every jump shot, even though I haven't gotten a foul call on any of them. I'm going to keep falling down. And he fell down a half dozen times at least tonight, if not more, and gets burned every single time. There was a play where he was bitching at the ref in after a made basket. He went down and made a shot, ran down the floor, bitching at the ref, and Wesley Matthews was wide open on the wing after a made shot, and Wesley Matthews knocked it down. But that, that's the thing. He's supposed to be your leader, your alpha. And that's the problem. When you've got Marcus Smart, who's not a real point guard, and you've got Jalen Brown, who's a number two or a number three type of guy, and you have Jason Tatum, who's a number one, but he's not a great playmaker. He's not a great, he's not a great, you know, control the pace of the game type of guy, game manager, whatever you want to call it. They don't have that guy. Their best option in that type of situation, the guy who's the adult in the room, is Al Horford. But the problem is he's not a perimeter initiator, so you can't have him bring the ball up the floor and put everybody into spots. And so this was the risk the whole time. And even after, it was in my notes, even if Boston would have won tonight, I would have had a serious conversation or a serious topic about, on the show about whether or not I thought they could beat the likes of Phoenix or the likes of Golden State. Because that lack of discipline will get you killed. The main reason why I picked Boston over Milwaukee was the Chris Middleton injury. The main reason why I was high on Boston to win the title was the Devin Booker injury. Those things were the reasons why things kind of opened up for Boston to become the favorite. And during, since that time, Booker has gotten back and they can't beat the Bucs. Despite being a minus 200 favorite to start the series, despite being a minus 190 favorite after game four, despite everything going, like, they were in control despite having extended stretches of bad basketball. They were in control, and they still, on their home court, could not close a 13-point lead late because of their persistent need to fall back into bad habits. Missing box outs. This was, this is on, Ime Udoka is going to be incensed by this as he's looking into the film, and I'm sure he's going to be talking about it after the game. You can't give up. I, I think they gave up 17 offensive rebounds, if I, if I remember correctly. I'll have to double-check. Bobby Portis had seven offensive rebounds. They gave up 20-second chance points. Time and time again in the fourth quarter, they weren't boxing out. How many times in that fourth quarter did you see uh, uh, off, like rebounds off of missed free throws? That's the, that's the stuff that keeps coaches up at night. And so that, that that's the, the damn shame in all of this is like, Look, look there's, two story, there's two stories here tonight. Story one is Giannis Antetokounmpo is demonstrating for us that he is on an all-time great trajectory. And this Milwaukee Bucks team is making – they're 
not out of this series yet, but if they escape this series, that buys you time for Chris Middleton to get back. You're a favorite in the next round. This is all kind of lining up for them to make a run at the championship. That's story number one. Story number two is Boston, the heavy favorite, five and a half point favorite tonight, minus 190 favorite in the series at this point before the game, went out tonight, commanded the game on multiple, uh, on two different occasions. They had a big lead in the second quarter. They blew that. And then they had a big lead in the third quarter and they blew that too. And at a certain point, like, I don't know if Boston ends up losing this series, that's going to be a thing that they're going to have to confront this offseason. Who's going to be the adult on the perimeter? Who's going to be the guy that can settle them down? Because uh, that's that's one of the weaknesses of modern basketball and having your Jason Tatum type of guy be a guy who's bringing the ball up the floor and running offense. There are there's It's a unique skill. I talk with Carson all the time. I think there are four guys in the entire league that are really high-level game managers. LeBron, Luka, Doncic, and, and Chris Paul. A lot of people struggle with that. I think you could make a case that Steph is on that tier two. You can make a case that Giannis is on that tier two, but there's not a lot of guys that can do that. And But there are lower-level guys that can at least replicate that to a certain extent. Think of like a Ricky Rubio type of player. Just a savvy – Tyus Jones is kind of doing this for Memphis right now. Just a, an old-school point guard, somebody that can be like, hey, let's stop taking stupid shots. Let's get into our positions and let's run sets. That's That's part of the game. I want to hit on a bunch of uh, other specific details about this game. Let's talk about Mike Budenholzer for a minute and uh, specifically his strategy. So I talked, I went on with, uh, with Matt Moore from the Action Network on his podcast yesterday. And we talked about this game. And I talked about how I wanted uh, Milwaukee to drop Brooke Lopez out of the lineup entirely and lean into switching more. And... Any of you guys who have been following me for a long time know I'm a big believer in switching as a strategy, especially juxtaposed with drop coverages. And the main reason why is because I think it stagnates teams and it baits teams into bad isolation shot selection. If you guys look at my Twitter feed throughout that game, even when Boston was in control, I kept begging for them to pull Brooke, and they finally did in that fourth quarter. Actually, it was like late third quarter. Budenholzer pulled Lopez. Went with Bobby Portis and Giannis. They started switching every screen. And what happened? Boston became a jump, pull-up jump shooting team. With exception of a handful of aggressive drives to the rim. That, that it, is, that it is human nature, the way that switching can cause the game to denigrate down into isolation basketball. Because if you're running a pick and roll, and you're, or you're running an action, or you're running a set, and they switch it well, nothing's open. And so everyone's kind of staring at each other like, what do we do? Now, what you're supposed to do to attack a switching defense is get dribble penetration. If you get dribble penetration, you force help. If you force help, you can swing to someone on the wing. If you swing to someone on the wing and they're open, either the defense, the defense has to rotate and you can attack that closeout. And that's when you can further compromise the defense and get wide open shots. But you more often than not, what ends up happening is the Jason Tatum types and the Jalen Brown types get into those situations. You start switching screens on them. They start looking at Wesley Matthews and they start thinking, it's time to take a pull-up jump shot. Instead of understanding that that's exactly what they want you to do. Even if you make it, that's exactly what they want you to do. They are baiting you into that. Coming into tonight, in 111 minutes this series with Brooke on the floor, 
the Bucks had a minus 11.5 net rating. So they were getting outscored by 11.5 points per 100 possessions with Brooke on the floor. In 81 minutes without Brooke in this series coming into tonight, they were a plus 2.3 net, and they were better on both ends. Tonight, they were minus 3 with Brooke, plus 6 without him. And the main reason why is like, you know, even forget about the the everything I just said about switching for a second. In addition to that, what happens when you run drop coverages, which is what they do with Brooke on the floor, what happens when you run drop coverages is players get disconnected from the ball handler because they die on the screen. There are a handful of guys in the league that do amazing at it. Like, for instance, Mikhail Bridges is putting on a drop coverage clinic in this postseason for Phoenix. But for the most part, People die on the screens, especially because the refs allow a ton of contact on those ball screens. You're seeing you're seeing a moving pick on those ball screens almost every time for every team in the league. But what happens is the defender gets disconnected. And so now from the three-point line to basically to the charge circle, Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, all these guys are operating free. There's nobody on them. Now... Yes, they're trying to bait you into a mid-range jump shot, right? So there's there's another element to that, but it's about comfort. When you, you are allowing them to be comfortable because they are disconnected from the defense temporarily in that zone. Whereas when you switch everything, there's no time on the floor where you're disconnected unless you drive by somebody. And driving by people takes energy. And driving by people, it takes a, a very intentional effort. And so because of that, it's easy to get baited out of that. It's easy to get wrapped up into taking pull-up jump shots, especially when all you worked on all offseason was your turnaround jump shot and your step-back jump shot and your sidestep jump shot and your hesitation pull-up jump shot because those are the things you work on when you do skill work. And it's just what you get baited into in one-on-one -on -one situations. So to Bud's credit, and you guys could see my tweets during the game, I'm like, when is Bud going to do it? When is Bud going to bench Lopez? Is he saving it for later? What's going? Well, it turns out he was saving it for later. And I would imagine that his thought process there was, I need Brooke to eat minutes for as long as possible in this early stretch in the game. And then at the end of the game, I'll be able to go to this and I won't exhaust Giannis because there definitely was some stuff in game four where Giannis was getting tired. But, you know, is, is, looking forward in the series, can't count Boston out. Boston, man, I I had had Boston won tonight. I would have had game six as a coin flip. But I was prepared to come on here and say, bet whoever the underdog is. Like if Milwaukee was plus two, I'd have bet Milwaukee. If Boston was plus two, I'd have bet Boston. Because to me, that game six would have been a textbook coin flip had Boston lost. Or had Boston won, excuse me. Seeing as they lost, now Boston has a huge motivational advantage going into game six. So it's not here, – here's the thing. It's not over. Boston still has the better defense. Boston still has the better half-court offense. When they play the way they want to play, when they play the way they're supposed to play. But ask yourself, guys, you Celtics fans that are listening, do you believe this Boston team can stay disciplined? They were extremely undisciplined in game one. They were pretty undisciplined in the second half of game two. They were really undisciplined for the first three quarters of game three. Game four, they were really undisciplined the first three quarters, and then they locked into the fourth quarter and closed the deal. And then in game five, in the second quarter and the fourth quarter, they lost their discipline again. 
They consistently go, they, they're like Jekyll and Hyde. They're a Jekyll and Hyde basketball team. And so who are you going to bet on? Are you going to bet on the championship team that has an opportunity to close Boston out at home? Or are you going to bet on the better team that who knows what's going to happen when they show up? All of the film and everything has been demonstrated. I guarantee you, Ime Udoka has said this a half dozen times to them in the series. When you guys play the right way, they can't guard you. When you guys play the right way, they can't score on you. But they just, they can't, they can't help themselves. They, they can't help themselves. It's just, it's an interesting basketball dynamic because this Boston team is damn near a perfect team in the way they're constructed, except for the adult ball handler. The, veteran savvy guard that knows when the game is getting off the rails. Think about how many times tonight in like a pivotal situation, you would see, you know, someone throw the ball to Grant Williams and then they're like denying Tatum and denying Brown and, and no one's cutting to get open. And then Grant Williams tries to put the ball on the floor and he gets the ball poked away. Or how many times you'd see uh, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum drive into traffic and not really know what they're doing. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just, the difference between high-level game management and everything else that's on the table. And that'll be the thing. And, you know, here's the thing. If they don't add that type of guy, if they don't figure that out, then it's on Tatum to develop into that. He has to learn. He has to learn to understand what, that his job isn't just to score or to create shots for his teammates, but to manage the game, to feel what's happening around you. Yeah, what what... What do you guys think, you know, encouraged Giannis to take those two threes in that second half? LeBron used to do this a lot too. Again, I keep doing the LeBron comps with Giannis. So they just have so many similarities in their, in their rise. But like that three that he took after Jalen Brown took the step back, all that is is him feeling the train getting off the tracks and understanding that if he can knock that shot down, it changes the complexion of the game. Same thing on the offensive rebound three. That's him feeling the situation. Even on Drew Holiday on that last second play, Drew Holiday was unbelievable tonight. 24-8-8. Eight eight. In all three wins, he's been excellent. But on that block, the final block on Marcus Smart, how many times have they sent a random double team to Marcus Smart in this series? Almost never. On dozens of drives. That's Drew Holiday feeling the moment. That's him understanding the what was happening on the train tracks. He read the situation and goes, oh, Marcus isn't passing that. Marcus has his head down. He's going to the rim. And so Drew bailed on his man and hard doubled Marcus Smart and got a block. That's all just savvy championship medal experience. Everything that, everything that you see in championship teams. And the coolest part about it is like, you know, that's that that's the monkey that gets off your back when you win a title. There's a next level of confidence and comfort that comes from you being there before, especially when you've been down, especially when you've been behind in a series. You know what it takes to come back. But just in, in summation, just unbelievable performance from Giannis. We're going to have to have some really serious conversations about the trajectory that he's on because it's not a Kevin Durant trajectory. It's not a Steph Curry trajectory. He's on a LeBron trajectory. He's on a Michael Jordan trajectory. That's the pace that he's at to this point in his career. And I just, I, I, I have, 
I have not been this blown away by how good a basketball player is since LeBron in the early 2010s. That's the level that he's reaching. And then, you know, story of the series has been Giannis's greatness and Boston's inconsistent, you know, just basketball IQ. And it, it bit them in the ass again. I tweeted out early fourth quarter. I tweeted, Boston is playing with fire and it might get them beat. And that's what happened. Boston got beat. Game six in a couple of days. Really curious to see what the line is. I I would say that I would say that it's too early to say that Boston's out. But if I'm Milwaukee, you have an amazing opportunity here to end this series and get Chris Middleton back. They're going to be coming out like gangbusters in that game. That crowd's going to be behind them. Giannis absolutely smells blood in the water. My guess is he's going to go for the kill in game six. So at this point, finally, after five games, <laughs> I am no longer on Boston. I, th I think Milwaukee's going to win this series. The playoffs are heating up, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat, same-game parlay each week. You'll get up to $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel has so many ways to play, and best of all, when you do win, you'll get paid faster than a fast break. My favorite same-game parlay this week is Boston to win Game 5 by at least 5.5 points, and for Drew Holiday to go under 21.5. He's been great in the two wins, but in both Boston wins, Drew Holiday has scored less than 20 points. I think Boston's going to put on a defensive clinic in Game 5. That's how I think it's going to go down. New to FanDuel? Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code JasonT. Once again, that's promo code JasonT. And if you already have an account, you're all set to bet. No sweat. Either way, you'll get up to $20 in free bets if your same-game parlay during the playoffs doesn't win. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yay. All right, well, on a night that one of my biggest predictions went up in flames, my prediction that the Boston Celtics would come back to beat the Bucks in six games, Giannis Antetokounmpo took that and 
crumpled it up and threw it in the trash. But that's part of the deal. Making predictions is hard. You're going to be right sometimes. You're going to be wrong sometimes. And I was dead wrong about that, at least to this point, although that series is not completely over. But one thing I was right about is I thought Golden State would get their butt kicked tonight. I said it was a buzzsaw environment they were running into in Memphis, especially without Jaw. And I thought Memphis would beat the crap out of them, and they did. Doesn't change my prediction for the series. I still think Golden State wins this series in six games, but I've just seen this type of game before. Memphis, especially without Jaw, has an incredible physical advantage over just about everybody in, everybody in the league. If you look around to all of the teams in the league, all the teams have a specific identity, right? Like, Golden State is the ball movement skill team, right? They're undersized, but everybody's incredibly skilled. They have a ton of experience, things like that, right? They're probably the most skilled team remaining in this playoff field. Phoenix is the most like adult, grown-up team. They are they have a vint, like an old school point guard who's 37 years old who runs the team. They're traditionally built. They have traditional bigs. They run traditional coverages. They have a traditional three-level scorer that's flanking Chris Paul. It's very like old school dominant basketball team. Then you look at Boston and it's like defense, modern, all wings, switch everything, impossible to score on, all-time great type of defense. And then you look at the Milwaukee Bucks and it's best player in the world. Giannis Antetokounmpo, absolutely the best player in the world, right? That's their identity. Each of those teams has their identity. Well, Memphis's identity is that they've consistently been the biggest and most athletic team in the in the league this year. Now, with Jaw, it's still big and athletic. It's just different. It's more offense-oriented. Jaw is a much better offensive creator, but he's a significantly lesser defensive player, and he's short and thin, right? So he struggles a little bit in physicality. Memphis, when they when they play without Jaw, there's a very specific reason why they've whooped everybody's ass this year. They were 20 and five without Jaw. They were like I think six and a half points positive per 100 possessions with him off the floor, which was actually better than they were with him on the floor. And again, it, uh, everything with this has to be framed. Jaw Morant is absolutely necessary to this team ever winning a championship because that elite high-end offensive creation, especially in the half court, becomes an absolute must at a certain point. And it will be an absolute must in game six when they go to, go to Golden State, which is exactly why I'm picking Golden State. So the ceiling is not the same. But without Jaw, they have an extremely high floor. They have a ton of size, ton of athleticism. They've been playing Steven Adams in these last two games without Jaw. And especially in front of that home crowd, down three to one, with all of that size and athleticism, they were just going to be extremely difficult to beat. And they did. They, they did everything that I thought they would do. They absolutely bludgeoned Golden State on the offensive glass, really for the first time in this series. They absolutely bludgeoned Golden State in transition. They forced a million turnovers. They dominated in the painted area. It was everything that I expected from this type of game. So why doesn't Golden State come in here and win tonight? Well, it's pretty simple to me. It's just really hard to do. And it and it and it like in order to to do this job, like which Golden State has done for the first four games of the series, to win the physical matchup against the physically superior team, you your attention to detail has to be perfect. And to their credit, through four games, 
they have had amazing attention to detail in those areas. When I say attention to detail, that means running back in transition on transition defense every single time, always being in uh, in position to box out and secure rebounds. When you have guys boxing out, guys crashing from the wing, right? Doing all of the little details of physicality, you have to do them perfectly. Because even if, I, let's say I'm 6'6", and let's say I'm boxing out a 6'10 guy. Yeah, if I don't box out and we get in a jumping contest, he's going to get every single rebound. But if I sit and I box him out and push him out of the lane, yes, if the ball comes directly at me, he might grab it right over the top of me. But if it goes anywhere else on the floor, he's not getting it because I've got him pinned on my back, right? So if there's a job on the floor in order to secure those rebounds, if the people do their job, even when they're undersized, and the other job there is I'm locked in a box out, my wings have to crash around me to secure the, the, to secure the rebound. All of that was on the table to do tonight. It just was going to be hard. Because you knew that Memphis on every single miss was going to crash. You knew that Memphis on every single one of your misses was going to sprint the other way in transition. It's just really physically taxing to do so. And I think what happens a lot in these kinds of situations, especially with veteran teams, is they think in the back of their head, we'll just get them on, we'll get them at home. When we play them at home, they won't play as hard. So it'll be easier for us to match their physicality. We'll be feeding on some of that energy from our home crowd. So we'll just do it in game six. And that's why I made that prediction. Because I've just seen this so many times before. My favorite example of this was the 2018 Cavs. So the 2018 Cavs in the first round, in game five, they have a very similar game to uh, uh, kind of to what happened with Golden State uh, in game four. LeBron comes out, especially in clutch, in clutch time, is incredible, hits a game winner. So they basically steal the game. And Cleveland, I think, was very confident at that point, we'll beat them in seven. But Indiana was the younger, faster, bigger team. That Cleveland team was playing Kevin Love at center, LeBron at the four, you know, J.R. Smith, it was getting older, it was way falling off on the backside defensively. Kyle Korver was very old at that point. George Hill had been dealing with back spasms all year. They were an older fragile team. And so their whole strategy was like, I don't know that we'll be able to match what Indiana can do to us on their home floor. Let's just punt that game and then we'll come back and get them in game seven. So what happens? They went into Indiana and just got absolutely obliterated. And like, like Victor Oladipo dunked all over LeBron. It was like the crowd was freaking crazy. They were feeding on all that energy. They were the bigger, more athletic, faster team playing against an older veteran team, and the older veteran team was like, ah, just don't feel like it tonight. And so that's what happened. And then Cleveland took them home in game seven and closed the deal. And that's what I expect from Golden State in game six. But here's the issue. And this is why you play, again, this is why you have to try to get this game. And it didn't work out, which happens sometimes, right? But the reason why you try to get this game is because you never want to play with fate. Because anything can happen. Otto Porter Jr. got hurt tonight. And we don't know the details of specifically if he's out for the series or if he just was out for tonight. We don't know the details, right? But Otto Porter Jr., as we've talked about on the show, him and Andrew Wiggins are vitally important to Golden State's ability to win the rebounding battle because it's those guys that have been those wings crashing while Draymond and Kevon Looney and whoever it is has been locked in box outs underneath the basket. That wing crashing is vitally important. So Otto Porter Jr. being out, that's a loss. Now, hopefully he's okay and he's ready to go in game six. But that's why you don't play with fire. Also, anything can happen. In game, uh, in game four, 
Golden State didn't do well against this lineup. They pulled it out late, but it it went pretty poorly for the most part. They shot terribly. They struggled against Memphis's defense. They struggled in some of the physical matchups on the floor. So now I, I don't expect that to happen in game six, but there's always that risk. What happens if you go in game six? Steph happens to be extremely cold for whatever reason. Clay happens to be extremely cold. What if Draymond gets in foul trouble? What if, you know, Kevin Looney gets in foul trouble? What if Jordan Poole has if Jordan Poole had a bad night tonight? What if Jordan Poole has a bad night? What if a bunch of things break against you? And at the same night, what if Jaron Jackson makes four threes? You know, what if Tyus Jones make four, makes four threes? You could find yourself heading back into Memphis for a game seven where you'll have this same physical task in front of you, except for this time you have to do it. Except for this time you have to match their physicality. That's the, that's the playing with fire element of this, right? But I have seen this before. This is a textbook older team on the road struggling against a younger, more athletic team that is desperate. And that's just a really difficult tempo and pace and, and fervor and energy to match. And they didn't match it tonight. But I expect them to match it in game six. I think Golden State will close the deal. They played with fire a little bit, but I still think they close the deal in six. This is just when you see these kinds of things in the future, especially for betting opportunities. Whenever you see a veteran team that has a closeout game at home on the horizon and they're going on the road, especially against a team that's bigger and more athletic than them, Home crowds always feed that physical energy. That physical energy is what dominates in games like this. So just for all you betters out there, games like tonight are the perfect ones to jump on. His betting opportunities still very high on Golden State. Still view them as a top-tier contender. Absolutely think they're going to win the series. This is just what happens sometimes in the NBA playoffs. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.